All right. All right. I'm going to get you to get back to your seats. And uh, as you do that, good morning to everybody who is online with us this morning. It's great to have you here. My name is Sean, one of the pastors on the team. And uh, are you ready to be here today? All right. We're good. We've got a couple of things that um, I just want to give to you. Pastor James just kind of gave us a bunch of information, but I've got two more things that I want to make you aware of. And the reason I want to do it this way is because it, it's in, in regards to 2022. Anybody ready for 2022 already? Like it's right around the corner. But this is what I believe, is that a church that will thrive together will be a church that reads the Bible together. Amen. All right, so this is the deal. We are walking towards our new Bible reading plan. You'll see it on the screen. If you have phones, you want to be pulling out your phones to participate with this in 2022. Scan the QR. It will take you right there. But in 2022, starting January 3rd, we're going to read the Bible together. And we want to do that, so make sure you do that. It'll be on the TVs, different screens if you're missing it right now. But definitely make sure that you join us in reading the Bible together. The second thing that I want to show us is that in January, we are moving the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we're asking you to start considering what does God want from you when it comes to participating in the 21 days. So please understand I'm not forcing anybody to do full 21 days, okay? But if you choose you would like to, go right ahead. But ask God, how do I participate? Because here's the deal. God is going to move in 2022, and it says that when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, he does stuff. How many of you are ready for God to move in 2022? And so we're inviting you to start praying about this now and ask God about it. Uh, a couple other things here. I've got some really good friends from Glad Tidings Church. Pastors Darren and Christy are here today. Welcome to the church this morning. Um, don't tell their lead pastor they're here. No, I'm just kidding. They're on holidays, and so they're good friends of mine and Lisa, and we love you. We're excited to hear, but thank you for what you're doing at Glad Tidings. We love that church and what God is doing there as well. And then for everybody else who is here, uh, help me out. Happy birthday to you. Come on, sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor James. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Pastor James's birthday is today, and he loves hugs. So at the end of the day, I know we're in a COVID season still, but uh, eh, you never know. Pastor James, we love you. Excited for what God is doing in your life and what he's going to continue to do in this next year. May it be your best year yet. Amen? And he likes presents. Anyway, okay, so we're going we're gonna to segue here and do this. Okay, this week I, I placed something onto social media and I didn't, I didn't realize that people would be so strongly opinionated with this. And the, the, question, the question was, or what are your thoughts, yes or no, to this thing called shepherd's pie? And uh, so who are my fans of shepherd's pie in the room? We got Okay, like I couldn't believe at how many people love shepherd's pie. And people were giving their opinions on the shepherd's pie as well as to what type of ingredients need to go into the shepherd's pie. I mean, a couple of the leaders were, of course, the mashed potatoes, the meat, 
piece. But I mean, a lot of people were like gravy. All right, like we need a lot of gravy. And that was good. So people were feeding in. And, and, and I didn't realize, like this is a comfort food to a lot of people. Like they are so excited to have that. Now, but then there are these other ingredients that people started to talk about. Like these types of ingredients had to go in. Like my wife, Lisa, said no to the mashed potato. Everybody, boo, boo. No, I'm just kidding. Don't boo her. Don't do it. I love her. All right. But no to the mashed potato. But this was the number one thing when it came to the you cannot do in a shepherd's pie. There are these little green things called peas. Nobody wanted peas a part of it. And if you wanted peas in your shepherd's pie, you need deliverance. All right. So, but like peas. And just for the record, those little peas grow up into these other things called Brussels sprouts from the devil. Anyway, uh, that's for free. Anyway, but the, the thing around the shepherd's pie was this, is what are the right ingredients in order to make the shepherd's pie taste as good as it does? So today, we're going to actually take a look at scripture and to make sense of why are you talking about shepherd's pie and, and what are we going to do about that? And so if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20 is where I'm going to focus today. And if you don't have your Bibles, the, the words will be on the screen for you. So let's um, read this together. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, singular, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. But they were terrified. I mean, what would you do if an angel just showed up to you? Right face to face. What would you do? Like, and it says that these, this, these guys, they were terrified. Makes a little bit of sense. But the angel reassures them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Somebody say good news. Good news that will bring great joy. Somebody say joy. And the best part about this is that it's for all people. Like everybody's got an invitation to this good news. Everybody's got an invitation to know the joy of Jesus Christ because it's for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, that singular angel now is joined by a host of other angels the armies of heaven, and they begin to praise God and sing, that song that you know, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth with those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go, we gotta go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, they find Mary and Joseph, and there was baby Jesus lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things. Mary pondered all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Will you pray with me as we've read the word of the Lord together today? Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is life. And this one angel shows up that, that Christmas night and spreads the good news. Jesus is here. And I want nothing else for that to be heard today. 
Jesus is here. The king has come. He, is, he has arrived. And I ask that you will help us to align our lives now to your word. You will teach us in this moment. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come and have your way and to speak. And we will give you all glory, praise, and honor because you alone deserve that. We join with that angel chorus today. and We say glory to God in the highest. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. come on, everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to us from the subject, ingredients from a shepherd. Now, Oh Holy Night is arguably the greatest Christmas song ever given to us, right? A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Now, in this Advent season, it's very interesting because we have to ask the question all around us. Do you think the world is weary today? And let's make it personal. Are you weary? You don't have to answer out loud. But when we talk about weariness, we think of the world, which is true. But what about you? So in this Advent season, Advent is all wrapped around this anticipation. It is the, the arrival of Jesus. We're waiting for him. And that word wait is really critical. And yet we have to ask the question that in this weary world today, like what are people waiting for? What are people hungry for? What are they anticipating? And the answer is hope, right? Somebody wants hope. Well, guess what? I got news for you. Hope is already here. His name is Jesus. Not one person was excited about that. That's interesting. Hmm. Our series that we are in, A Thrill of Hope, is all about perspectives. We are looking at the different perspectives that are given to us in the biblical narrative of the Christmas story. Pastor James started us off a couple weeks ago, and he talked to us about Israel and how Israel was living in silence for centuries from their God, their Savior, their anticipation of this king, and it was just met with absolute silence. And he encourages us with uh, that message on chapter 17, though, it was right around the corner, right? So don't give up hope. It was a great message. Pastor Tyson came last week, and he gave us the perspective of the wise men, not the three wise men. I saw what he did with you last week, and it wasn't three, but the wise men. But the, the reach there was that God moved outside of Israel. God moved outside of the church. He moved outside of those who called themselves Christians, those who were religious, and he went further, which showed us that God is willing to allow this good news to penetrate people who do not know him as well. Are you excited for that? Because that's been some of your story that you've been far from Jesus, but he came in because you too are one of those magi. You were one of those Gentiles that were far from God, but he said, I got good news for you too. Are you excited for that? And today we're gonna take the perspective one step further now, and we're gonna actually take it to the epicenter of Israel. And the epicenter of Israel was Jerusalem. It was the great city. It is where the temple was. But right down the way from Jerusalem was this place called Bethlehem. Somebody say Bethlehem, because we're gonna take our story to Bethlehem today. Our perspective is going to come from the shepherds who were in those fields in Bethlehem that night when this angel and his buddies showed up to make something happen in this world. And I want to contend today that there is an inner shepherd in every single one of you. And we want to take a look at them to see something in us. So like shepherd's pie... And all of the ingredients that need to go into that to make it good. I see some ingredients today 
in this text that I want to observe. And I want to pull out so that you and I can identify with the perspective of the shepherds. Are you good? Dr. Luke, who is the writer of the story that we just read, wants us to know this one thing. This whole entire chapter is about Jesus Christ. The focal point is Jesus. But the way Dr. Luke does it is very obscure. Because he takes us into three scenes. He doesn't really even talk a whole lot about baby Jesus, except a couple of the times. But the emphasis is coming through these perspectives and the story of other people as they looked at the Christmas story that day. So in order to take a look at these different scenes, these different characters, I'm going to ask us today three questions. And I want you to walk away with these three questions to see what will happen with you. The first question is this. How do you, how do you see yourself? Have you ever thought about this before? Because I think some of us in this uh, moment, when, when I say that, you're thinking about self-image. You're thinking about you. You're thinking about, you know, how do I perhaps look? How do I feel about myself? But self-image is, is maybe where you're at. The, the funny thing with self-image is that it affects us all quite differently, doesn't it? Because if you're in a good mood today, maybe your self-image feels better. Uh, perhaps because of something that happened out of your past and the circumstance that was wrapped around you, that you don't maybe have a good perspective. That image of yourself is, is really not quite there. And so you're probably thinking self-image, but I'm going to explain this question a little bit this way. The life of an ancient shepherd was a difficult one at best. This was a life for loners. They were treated like losers. They were outsiders. People looked down upon them. They resented them. People made fun of shepherds. They were despised by their community. In fact, the reputation of these shepherds was so bad that they were unable to be in a court of law to give testimony because they were deemed untrustworthy. Like these people, these shepherds, and their identification placed upon them was very, very significant. Can you imagine living in a society where we place these labels on people to make them inferior to somebody else. Can you imagine that? Kind of sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Especially in this culture, with maybe some of the societal labels that we have placed upon people to make them feel that they are worthless, that they do not matter, and that they are irrelevant. I actually think the Christmas story is teaching us some pretty cool things already about what's happening in 2021, yeah? Interesting to me to see this. But let's continue with these shepherds because these Bethlehem shepherds were known to care for the temple flock. Remember I said just up the road in Jerusalem was the temple. And so what was taking place in these fields is that these shepherds were caring for the very sheep, the lambs that were brought to the temple in order that those lambs would be killed and sacrificed. So they're taking care of it. They're trying to make sure that as a good Jewish person, when you come for Passover and the different feasts, you would have the right lamb because there were regulations wrapped around that too. That's these guys. In fact, it has been said that there was about an estimated 5 million people in the surrounding area around Jerusalem. A lot of people, which meant that there was probably needed close to 250,000 sheep every single year so that they could do the Passover and the other feasts and the activities well. I love what Ligon Duncan, who is a biblical commentator, he adds this extra element into the story that I had not considered yet. But because of these 
these shepherds in working with sheep, we realized that they were working with a lot of unclean animals. And in fact, when they had to slaughter some of those animals, we understand in Jewish culture, you were not to touch anything that was ceremonially unclean. And so there is another ostracization for happening within these uh, shepherds at that moment because now they are unclean in all of the activities that they're doing, which meant one thing for these shepherds. They couldn't go to the temple and have public worship themselves. So not only are they losers and loners and outsiders, they do, not re, they do not fit into the religious system and the structure of what is taking place there. Can you imagine how these shepherds felt? Think about all the descriptors that I just gave. Can you imagine how these shepherds must have felt? Let me ask you, would you like to have been a shepherd in that day? I mean, these shepherds were going through un, unthinkable moments. Can, like the, the, imagine how they saw themselves. I mean, what did they think of themselves? I really am not that great. You know, I I am maybe worthless. Maybe I don't have a place in this world. I'll just continue with these little sheep as they bleat in my ear. Like, I'll just keep doing my own thing. But maybe, like, I, I... But God was about to challenge all of that on that night. And I love what um, another commentator, Trapp, says. He says, God, to show that he respected not persons, revealed this grand mystery to the shepherds and to the wise men. The one poor, the other rich. The one learned, the other unlearned. The one Jews, the other Gentiles. The one near and the other far off. Can you see what God is beginning to do in the Christmas story as he reached to those wise men who are from different regions and outside of their religious structures? And then he brings it to their own backyard and he looks at these shepherds and he basically is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to love you just the way you are. And I can use you if you allow me to use you. But I asked you the question a little bit earlier as to how do you see yourself? I want to rephrase that question and get to the heart of what I'm talking about in this. As you think about yourself right now, let me ask this. Do you see yourself as a sinner in need of a savior? I mean, we don't talk about this sinner thing a whole lot anymore in some of our churches. But I'm asking you the question, do you see yourself as a sinner? Not whether or not you look good in a mirror, but I'm asking today, do you see yourself as a sinner in need of a savior? That no matter what the designation, the societal label that is placed upon you, I'm here to tell you today that our God is gracious and will take you exactly as you are. Those shepherds were nobodies, and God decided to unfold the greatest story ever told to these people that nobody wanted to touch, and they want nothing to do with them. But I wonder sometimes that those shepherds understand because of how they felt and the image that was wrapped all around them. Did they too look at themselves in need of a Savior, in need of somebody who would come and help them? And so I want to welcome every single one of us online and in person today. I want to welcome you to Colwood Church, a place full of sinners, yet recognizing our need for God. All of us. And the first ingredient that I want to pull out of this is those shepherds knew that they needed help. Do you understand that you need help today? Do you understand that there is something more And that more is Jesus. How do you see yourself? Second question I have for you is how do you hear the gospel? So these outcasts, 
You know, they're doing their thing one, one night. They're out in the fields, and suddenly it just shows that this angel shows up, and they are terrified, just like some of you in the last few minutes, maybe peeing of the pants. I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. It says suddenly this angel shows up, but the thing that the angel says is so intriguing to me. It says, I give you good news, but here's the problem. Nobody brought good news to the shepherds. We already understand how people looked at them. Nobody brought the good news to the shepherds. So why would this angel stand there and terrify them to death? Because he had something to say. And it dawned on me this week as well. And I'm going to talk about angels next Sunday. We're going to look at their perspective of the story. But it dawned on me that in this moment, when that angel communicates, I've got good news. This is the first preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ in history. Because Jesus is now born and the good news comes. The angel is the first preacher of the gospel. Interesting thought. We'll deal with that later. What was the good news? Do you notice what the angel did? I got good news for you all. And I don't know what candle Pastor James was the joy candle, but he says, I got good news of great joy, which is for all people. So this angel steps in and he says, listen, I got good news for you boys. And you're going to have joy, maybe when they were joyless. I got joy for you. And guess what, shepherds? It's for all people. I can imagine the shepherds thinking that night, seriously, for me? Like, hey, hey, angel, do you not know what people think of us? Hey, angel, do you not know that we're not welcomed here Hey, angel, I could see all of their excuses in their head. And yet the angel does in that moment is, is, is beautiful. God speaks to that angel and says, hey, shepherds, I see you. And I've got something for you. And he instills this good news. I see a duality in the message of good news. I see the duality that first, God is always looking out for the lost and the least. Anybody thankful for that today? Because I too was once lost. And God looked at me, and he said, I got something for you, Sean Chapman. And I'm thankful for that. He looks at some of us, too, who we think we're the least, that we don't matter, that we're insignificant. I'm here to tell you that's a lie of the devil. Jesus has a better plan for you, and he's got good things for you. He looks out for the lost and the least. And then the second thing that I see in the duality of their message is that they just flat out preach the gospel. And I was thinking about this. Lisa and I, a lot of years ago, we had the opportunity to go to Texas and we went to an African-American church and oh my goodness, was that church. I mean, these people welcomed us in. We were the only two white people. They surrounded us. They were preaching at their pastor. Like he's trying to preach to them and they're shouting him back. Pastor's up there dabbing his head from all the sweat. He's getting right in and everybody's interacting and engaging and they're just having a good old time. It felt like church, like a good old church service. And I've talked to some of my African-American friends too about their native land in Africa and they tell me about some of these services and they go on for hours and hours and people are engaged and they're just telling me about church. And I imagine that in those fields that night, they had church. Angels came and they said that we're going to bring you good news. And they begin to, 
to download an unbelievable message to these shepherds who are nobodies, and it is exciting. And they, they tell the story, I think. I mean, I know you're not going to read that in verse 11, but I'm here to tell you, like, they had to preach the good news. What's the good news? Well, I mean, they take us right back to the Garden of Eden. There's Eve and Adam, and, and because of their sin, there's this separation from God. And Israel is in this constant fight to get back to their God. And yet all of the sin and the separation causes this chasm in between, the silence for Israel for many years and centuries until that night when Jesus Christ is born. And they begin to download to these shepherds, hey, here is the news of the story, that there is a Savior who is born just up the road from you and your sheep right now. And guess what? This Savior is the one you've been waiting for. He is the Messiah. He is the one who is going to liberate you. He's going to set you free. He's going to forgive your sins. He's going to heal all of your diseases and your sicknesses. The king has arrived. And this is what they're preaching to those shepherds that night. I can't believe it. It must have been unbelievable to hear the message. And remember how I just asked you a question. Do you hear the gospel? Just like those shepherds, did they hear what the angel was saying? Epictetus was a first century pagan writer said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than even outward peace. Brilliant words to say this. The shepherds, they were seeking peace. They weren't finding it anywhere, but guess where they found it? In baby Jesus. Jesus came to give the hope. The angels pronounced a message of joy that would be for them. And it changed the trajectory of these shepherds. William Barclay says this, it is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow, I can't imagine being in those fields that night. And these angels, like I told you, they preach the word. So much so that when I look at these two short verses, 11 and 12, I think most of us to the naked eye, we have no hot clue what these angels are doing. But I want to tell you the depth this morning as to what these angels were doing. The very first thing what they talk about is that born this day in Bethlehem, the very first thing that these angels are doing is they're calling into play this thing called prophecy. Prophecy is something that was spoken a long time ago. It was future foretelling. And what these angels do is they arrive on the scene and what they begin to point these shepherds to is something that comes from Micah chapter four, verses eight. And you're gonna see this verse on the screen and it becomes very important for us today. So let's take a look at it. As for you, tower of the flock, Migdal Eder. I want to tell you a little bit about Migdal Eder because this is very significant to the shepherds. The angels show up and say, hey, guess what? This was spoken a long time ago and it's happened. It's true. Let me tell you about Migdal Eder. Prophecy had already made it clear many generations prior that the ruler, the king of the world would be born in Bethlehem out of all of the towns of Israel. Migdal Eder, which was called the Tower of the Flock in Scripture, where the lambs set aside for temple sacrifices were raised. The Tower of Migdal Eder provided the perfect vantage point from which the shepherds could quite literally watch over their flocks from above. Remember I told you 250,000 sheep running around on the fields? 
and the tower of Migdal Eder allowed them to get into the vantage point so that they could care for what was known as the, the, the temple sheep. Every firstborn male lamb that was born to them was considered holy and set apart for the sacrifice that was happening in Jerusalem at the temple. Sheep herding was a hereditary occupation, and generations of shepherds were trained to care for these very special lambs. They literally risked their lives to protect the sheep from predators and to keep them from falling into the many crevices and ravines in that rocky hill country. But catch this. These newborn lambs would be wrapped tightly. They were then swaddled. Sound familiar to any of us? Swaddled in specially designated temple clothes, and they would be laid in a manger to keep them contained while they were being examined for the blemishes. At the appointed time, the shepherds would separate the lambs, selecting the, only the firstborn males that were without mark or blemish, and would lead them to Jerusalem, where they would be purchased by people wanting to present a sacrifice before the Lord to atone for their sins. So when the angel appears to the shepherds in the field that night, guess what he tells them? He tells them that they would find a newborn king wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying where? In a manger. They knew exactly, those shepherds knew exactly where he would be found because swaddling clothes were only used in one particular location for one particular purpose, Migdal Eder, the place where sacrificial lambs were wrapped and examined for perfection before being set apart for the slaughter that would atone for the sin and make peace with God. Three decades later, the apostle John points out his cousin Jesus as he approaches him, and this is what he says. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two millennia later, Jesus is still taking away the sins of all who accept his sacrifice and make peace between them and God. Where else would we expect the Lamb of God to come into this world but in the very place that the Passover lambs came from were born. Like these lambs, he was not an ordinary man. He was the God-man, the ultimate Passover lamb with a holy duty. Now imagine you are one of these priestly shepherds. Surely you must have known about the prophecy of Migdal Eder and Bethlehem. And then one night, as they were out with the lambs of God, a heavenly host appears. Did you ever read that in verse 11 before? <laughs> Isn't the Bible fascinating? And the drawing of the connection between what God spoke a long time ago to what was about to take place. The angels don't even stop there. In fact, we get some unbelievable descriptors from these angels. They say, hey, Jesus Christ. And when they say the word Christ, it's not just Jesus' last name. When they say the word Christ, they're signifying in the Greek word Messiah. What these angels are declaring in that moment is, hey folks, everything that you've waited for, the hope that you're looking for, the joy that you need, the one that you have been in anticipation for, guess what? He just showed up. He's just up the road, swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. But the angels give him the name Messiah to indicate that the king had arrived. They go on, it says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. 
That descriptor is something you didn't play around with in that culture because the word Lord was identified to Exodus chapter 4 and the person was Moses. As he stood in front of a burning fire, a bush of a fire, God speaks to him and he says these words, I am who I am. The word there is Lord. And what this angel is doing now with these shepherds is he is saying that God has now arrived on the planet. And he makes, they, they make these stunning declarations. They even go on to tell us that this baby Jesus, this king of the world, is going to be in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, which they are beginning to demonstrate to you and I the humiliation of Jesus Christ. How dare the king of the world be born into a feeding trough, let alone to go hang on a cross. And they begin to preach to these shepherds the humiliation of Jesus Christ. But they come to this one final synopsis of this whole thing. All of this is taking place so that you and I will have joy. Are you excited today that you could have joy in your life? The next ingredient from a shepherd is are you hearing what the story is saying? Are you hearing that you're a nobody, but somebody who's loved by a king? Are you hearing that the Messiah has showed up? And our whole idea of Advent is we're in anticipation. We're not waiting for Jesus to show up. He's already come, and you can have life Today, our Advent participation points us to that Jesus is coming back, though, and he's going to take his church with him. And that's what we're waiting for. But today, you don't have to delay. You can know the joy of Jesus Christ. God has come. Joy could be yours. Let's wrap this up. My third question is, what do you think of it all? In verses 15 to 20, this is the next question I see that as terrified as they are. And, and let's keep in mind, it was an angel that showed up the first time, and then a whole bunch of them showed up. I think if the whole bunch sort of came, I'd be freaking out too. But it shows us that without hesitation, they declare, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to that manger, because we know where it is. And let's behold what this angel and his posse is now speaking to us which shows me this, they don't delay, they obey. This is another one of those ingredients for a shepherd. Like when I'm asking you, what do you think of it all? I mean, you're deposited into your life today is the story of good news. My question to you is, what are you gonna do with it? Because the good news is that they don't delay on it, they actually pursue. I love what this quote says. It says, at the resurrection the first witnesses were women who had no credibility as a witness in a court of law. At the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the first witnesses were shepherds who had no credibility as a witness in the court of law. Folks, do you see what Jesus is doing in coming to this earth? Do you see how he takes women who were looked at in that society as less than? Then he takes these shepherds who were the outcasts. Nobody liked them. They were nobodies. And Jesus takes the least of these people. And you know what he does with them? He speaks a new word into their lives. That I love you. I'm here for you. The question that he's looking at for within the women and the shepherds was this. Will you listen to what I'm saying? Will you receive the news and will you apply it in your lives. You see, I think Jesus is ready. 
He's ready to use anybody in this place today who is obedient and willing, willing to take the story of this news and to do something with it. In the last few verses, Mary kind of comes into the scene and we are shown a couple of neat things, I think, that become more ingredients. And although Mary is not the shepherd, the very first thing that, that Mary does, it says that she ponders. That's an ingredient for us shepherds. Because I'm saying a lot of things today. How will you ponder? How will you just be quiet? Listen, keep these things in your heart. The things that God is wanting to communicate, say to you. It goes on to show us that these shepherds, they get so excited. They get amped up about what's going on and what God is doing. It says that they run back into their towns and it says that they're exclaiming and praising. So the two things, the two ingredients are for shepherds, ponder and praise, okay? I want you to ponder and praise. How do you praise that the fact that this good news has kind of come to the earth, that you and I have the opportunity to approach Jesus Christ? And it shows us in the story that they begin to tell all the people around them and they're getting excited about what God has done. Like this, this is what they're saying. They're not saying Santa Claus is coming to town. They're saying the lamb has come to save the world. Like this, this is the beauty of these shepherds. And so they go back into their places, their communities, and they are excited. They are amped up. They are jacked up. Hey, when's the last time you got a little amped up about Jesus Christ and you told people around you, you got excited because that good news has done nothing more than to liberate who you are. And I think that some of us need a good old jolt of energy again to get excited about the things of God, that he is alive, that he is a well, that the king has come, that you could have hope and you could have joy all because Jesus decided to change the whole story and come into this world for you and I. Amen? I get so excited. I wish somebody would be with me. So the people were astonished. The people were astonished. And so the shepherds begin to tell the story. And you know what they're doing? Is they're planting seeds. See, part of that gospel story is God decided as he looked over all of us, Oh, you are messed up, people. You're broken. God took a seed out of heaven, and that seed was his son, Jesus. He placed that seed into the womb of a teenage girl who did not have premarital sex with her partner. In a miraculous moment, that seed was born into the world so that those shepherds would go and see the seed. And that seed was already beginning to expand itself with the good news that was placed into their heart. So much so that those shepherds, they go and plant seed with everybody else. They got excited. You know what excites me? That a hot dog could change the trajectory of someone's life. What's the seed? I'm asking us today, what do you think of it all? Do you think this is just a cute little story that we could throw up our lights and have our presence at Christmas? Or do you think maybe that this is the reason why Jesus came, so that people would have hope in life, that they would come to a saving knowledge of who he is? This is our opportunity to jump to the story. They went back to their fields. Do you think they were changed? They went back to their schools. All these kids and teenagers in the room, they went back to their schools they shared the good news with their friends, told them something good has come. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. We got a weary world. But I'm here to tell us today that hope has come. Joy has made a way into our lives, and it is through the person of Jesus Christ. So joy to the world. The Lord has come. 
Will you receive your king? Shepherds, will you stand with me today? I'm going to have everybody close your eyes right now because I'm going to ask a very important question. Perhaps you are here in the room or maybe you are online and you have never accepted the king, this Jesus who we talk about. Perhaps you've had a relationship with him a long time ago, but you've walked away. And I'm here to tell you that joy has come to the world again, that you have an opportunity today to receive your king. And that king is for you, shepherd. You may think that you don't matter, that you're not worth it, but I'm I'm here to tell you that he sure thinks you are. And I think you are as well. This king has come to liberate you, to set you free, to make you say that yes, I am a sinner, but because of his grace, you have an opportunity again to align your life back to the things that he has for you. But it comes with you saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus is not gonna be forceful upon you. He is waiting for you to say, open the door, let me in. Because we're a broken people, we need a savior. But that savior has come and it takes us audibly saying, Jesus, I need you. And if that is you today, you're saying, I need that king in my life with all eyes closed and I'm looking across the room on the count of three, if you'd like to receive that king today, he is there for you. And he wants that relationship with you, but you gotta want it. On the count of three, one, two, three, is there anybody, if that's you, just raise your hand in this place. I'm gonna see you and we're gonna continue on. Thank you, I see that hand. I see that hand, yeah. And if you are online with us today too, this message is for you no matter where you are. And if you're raising your hand, I'm gonna ask you to do another step. Text LIFE, text LIFE to 250-478-7113. One of our pastors will come alongside of you to help this journey of what I'm doing. But if you raised your hand or you're making this decision today, pray this prayer with me under your voice. Jesus, thank you so much that you love me. Thank you that you came to this earth and you demonstrated yourself to those shepherds. And I recognize today that you came into this world for me, a shepherd as well. And I ask that today you would take my life and that you would use it for your kingdom. I pray that you would make these realities of your, of your arrival to this earth and what you want to do in me real. And today I acknowledge that I am a sinner, but I see your grace is even more. And I ask for you to come and save me, be the king of my heart, be the king of my life, and I submit myself to you. So Jesus, forgive me and be my king. In Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of us, God, I pray that as we walk into this week, we will ponder these questions. I pray that we would look at this, how do I see myself in need of a Savior? How do I hear the gospel? I've heard good news today. What am I going to do with it? How do I think of it all? Help us to be 
the shepherds you need us to be. Let us go back into our community, into our workplaces, into our schools with the good news. Let us spread joy. Let us plant seeds because that is what you've called us to do. So Jesus, I give you thanks today for you are great. You're holy and mighty and we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There were a number of people who said yes to Jesus today. Can we say thank you to them and what God is doing? Listen, to, to raise a hand in a service or online is good, and I thank you for that. But I am asking you, text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. Let's, let's solidify the commitment that you're making because we want to partner with you. Church, I hope that you have a fantastic week in the things that you are about to do. God bless you, and we will see you next week as we look at our angels. Love you. We'll see you soon.